today, which is entitled, What to Do with the Time that God Has Given Us. Now, over Christmas, in between that time, betwixtmas, in between Christmas and New Year, uh, me and, and my wonderful family had a bit of time to rest, had a bit of time to, to sleep, and we watched some movies. Uh, and one of the movies I got my kids to watch was Lord of the Rings, okay? Absolutely fantastic uh, film, absolutely fantastic books written by J.R. Tolkien. And there's a quote that Gandalf says, And this quote has lived with me over recent weeks. Put it up on the screen. It's It's a quote when Frodo's talking to Gandalf. And Frodo says this, and this is how I feel so often in 2023. Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. Gandalf said, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. What to do with the time that is given to us. And what I want to speak about this morning is five things that I believe that God is challenging us about as a church and speaking to us both individually and corporately as a church that we are to give ourselves to in the coming season. Five things if we're thinking, well, what does the future hold? What am I to do with the time that is allotted to me? What am I to do with the time that God has given to serve at Hope Church? What am I to do? Five things that we're going to look at. Number one, we're to focus on Jesus. More than ever before, It's my belief that our focus and our eyes need to be on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, We are to run the race set before us, looking at Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And just for a moment, I look briefly at a scripture in Matthew 17. It's the story of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of transfiguration. We're going to read a few verses at the beginning of Matthew. This is a moment of uh, revelation and encounter that the three disciples have up the mountainside. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a mountain by themselves. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will part three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. They looked up. They saw no one except Jesus. When we talk about focusing on Jesus, what does that actually mean? We have in this story of the transfiguration up the mountainside, three things that help us. You see, to focus on Jesus is to go deeper with him. 
I find it fascinating that there's the kind of the big wigs of the Old Testament are there up the mountain. Moses is there. Elijah is there. But they are all sideshows compared to Jesus. Verse 2 has this image of this eternal, all-powerful, perfect, spotless Jesus Christ that the disciples are transfixed by. And I love verse 8 because when the transfiguration finishes, Moses and Elijah are no longer there. And it says, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. I want to grow as a Christian in my focus being squarely on Jesus Christ. When you talk about what to do with the time that God has given us, my my challenge to myself and to each one of us is to get to know Jesus better, to read the Gospels, to, to pray literally for two minutes a day. One minute, pray to Jesus, have one minute to listen to the voice of Jesus. Don't complicate it. Don't commit to things that you won't be able to carry on throughout the week. Ask for more encounters with the living Jesus. So so we focus on Jesus by, by putting time to go deeper with him. It's also about having time to listen to Jesus. You see, when we spend time with Jesus, we hear the voice of God. You see it throughout Scripture. In verse 5, we hear God speaking. We hear the voice of God speaking and bringing the identity of Jesus, that he is God's son in whom he is well pleased, echoing what happens at Jesus' baptism and getting Jesus ready for his focus to be on the cross. When we spend time with Jesus, we hear God's voice. When we spend time focusing on Jesus, we know the identity we carry in Jesus Christ. It's why in my time, I want to be better at listening to the Lord. I want to hear God's voice above the hubbub and the rubbish of this world. So we're to focus on Jesus with the time that God has given us. And that is to go deeper with him. That is to listen to him. And that is to follow Jesus. There's action involved. I love in verse 7 when Jesus says, again, when everything's died down with the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus says to the disciples, get up. We're not going to linger here forever. We're not going to stay up this mountainside forever. You've had a wonderful experience. You've had a wonderful encounter with the living God. You've heard the voice of God. Now go. Now it's time for action. You see, when we focus on Jesus, it is the greatest adventure that you can give yourself to. Yes, it's a roller coaster. Yes, there's ups and downs and twists and turns. But it's the greatest adventure you can give yourself to. When you focus on Jesus, you go deeper to get to know him better, to spend time with him, to hear his voice. But it doesn't stop there. It then leads to action. Get up. Get up and preach the gospel. Get up and follow my prompting. Get up and see my kingdom come and let my will be done in 2023. So what are we to do with our time? Firstly, we are to focus on Jesus. Secondly, We are to be a distinctive blessing. 
I want to read a couple of verses in a moment from Jeremiah 29. But before I read them, I just want to give you the context, because the context is important. So what you have is the prophet Jeremiah writing some words to God's people who are in exile in Babylon. They, they are taken out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is behind them. They are away from Jerusalem. And they are in Babylon, this evil and deprived culture. And God's people are in a minority. They're a small number. They're in captivity. And there's all the powers and the evil and the principalities of Babylon. Now, that's not unusual in the Old Testament. We see it with Daniel. We see it with Esther. It's not unusual, but you think, well, what does the prophet Jeremiah say to the exiles? What, what does he say? Does he say, right, exiles, God's people, I want you to withdraw. I want you to hide away and keep to yourselves. Or does he say, I, I want you to keep your head down, not look at anything, do anything, and just, just be, be, be your own man, your own woman, and just, just keep away from this culture, this Babylon? No. What does Jeremiah say? Let's read Jeremiah 29, verse 5 to 7. It's important you understand the context before we hear the words of Jeremiah. This is what Jeremiah said. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What's Jeremiah saying? He's saying, verse 5, he's firstly saying, settle down. Settle down. You see, if you plant a garden that you're going to eat from, that takes time. It takes time to plant, to water, for something to grow that you can eat. Jeremiah is saying, I want you to settle down in Babylon. I don't want you to be fearful of the culture. I want you to settle down, put down roots. You're here for the long haul to make a difference. Settle down. Settle down, verse 5. Then verse 6, he goes on to saying, look, I want you to have a strong sense of distinctiveness. Yes, settle down, plant gardens that you can eat, but also make sure your sons and daughters marry. Make sure that they then marry other Israelite sons and daughters. Stay true to your traditions. Stay true to the biblical truths which God's peoples hold to. You see, families change societies. Families which are strong and steady have an influence in societies. Husbands and wives, sons and daughters that marry, you Build strong families who forge a strong distinctiveness. Can you see what, what Jeremiah is saying? He's saying, look, stay. Stay here. Put down roots. But be distinctive. Be distinctive. Marry fellow Israelites. Marry your sons and your daughters. Build strong families where you teach scripture, where you teach the traditions of biblical truth, and you will make a difference because families influence culture. And then verse 7, he says, be a blessing 
to those around you. Be a blessing to the nation of Babylon, the city of Babylon, the place where God has put you. Because if you prosper, it too will prosper. If you settle down and build distinctive families and strong family units and start to bless the city and bless the nation that God has put you in, there will be a blessing for you and a blessing for the nation. Did you know that in Victorian Britain, going back a bit, in Victorian Britain in the 1850s, one in four people in Victorian Britain were in a non-conformist church. In other words, an evangelical kind of Bible-believing church. And a secular historian said evangelicals were the single most widespread influence in Victorian England. That's a secular historian. I could go on and list Cadbury's began with strong Christian ethics, Roundtree, Cars, biscuits, the list of businesses that began in the Victorian times is long and vast. And all of them had at their center strong Christian ethos. What you had in Victorian Britain was Christianity shaping the community. Christianity shaping society. If you go back further, most of the hospitals in London were started by Christians. Most of the universities in London and other parts of the nation were began by Christians. Most of the long-held historical schools, most of the care for the elderly and looking after those who are disabled or long-term ill, that began by Christians. Because what were Christians doing with their time? They were saying, we want to bless the community that God has placed us in. We want to bring prosperity and peace and goodness and righteousness to the places that God has placed us. You see, in, the, in Hope Church, in the life of Hope Church, we're always looking for ways to bless others. It's why will we do everything that we do on a Tuesday, Hope Tots in the Week, Hope at the Hub, all we do with Young Life, partnering wonderfully with young people and Young Life, what we're looking to do with asylum seekers locally in the area. Why are we doing these things? Because we want to bless those around us. We want to be a distinctive blessing to East London and beyond. That's what we're doing. We're seeking the prosperity of the city. We know that as believers, if we can establish righteousness and goodness in the city, it will make a positive difference. You see, there's so much more that a spirit-filled prophetic minority can do than we can actually imagine. No one would have imagined back in the Victorian times the longevity of your Cadbury's or your cars or your round tree or many of the banks that began back there or the universities or the schools or the hospitals that are now decades and, and hundreds of years on still flourishing and making a difference to bless people and help people. We're to seek to be a distinctive blessing. What are we to do with our time? We are to be a distinctive blessing to East London and beyond. It's the second thing. Third thing that we are to do 
with our time. We are to grow devoted disciples of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, a couple of the most famous verses in Scripture. They say this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. What are we to do with our time? We are to make disciples. That's what we're to do. That's the calling that is upon each and every one of us. You see, Christianity is not a loner religion. Jesus, in his life, modeled discipleship. There was the three, Peter, James, and John. There was the 12. There was the 72. That was where Jesus spent most of his time in the three years of his ministry. Yes, there was the crowds, but it was about the three, the 12, and the 72. And for most of us, we are to focus on the three and the 12. That's what God speaks to us and says to each one of us. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, you are to be a disciple maker. And God would give you the three, the 12, for you to share your life with. To say, look, this is not all about me. I want to share my life with other people. I want to I do the real and the raw, the ups and the downs. I want to get into this wonderful book, the Bible, and, and understand what it means. I want to learn how to pray. I want to I discover more about worship. I want to I wrestle with what the, the gifts of the Spirit are and what that looks like in my life, because discipleship is the place where that happens better than anywhere else. Discipleship is the place of multiplication. It's why community groups are important. It's why we love a place where you can gather with others and learn together. It's why we love at Hope Church for you to say, well, if this is your church and this is where you worship, get involved as part of a serving team. Serve on one of the teams at Hope Church where you can meet others on a Sunday, where you can come and give your time and your talents. And discipleship happens when you rub shoulders with one another, when you learn and when you talk, when you pray, when you share your life, when you build up one another. Like I said, this is what Jesus modeled. This is what the early church modeled. You see, discipleship is saying to someone, right, well, let's read the Bible together once a month. Let's get half an hour on Zoom or let's meet for a coffee in person for one hour a month and go through the Gospel of John. Let's just do that together. Let's read it. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Or to say to someone, well, let's pray once a week. Let's get a call going on the way to work for 15 minutes. You pray for me for five minutes. I'll pray for you for five minutes. And then we can have a quick catch up or whatever for the last couple of minutes. It's, it's starting small. It's, it's regularity. It's, it's using God's word and prayer to say, who God do you want me to share my life with? And who God do you want me to learn from? And who God do you want iron to sharpen iron? And just one little thing, it does involve risk because Jesus had his three, Peter, James, and John, but in his 12 was Judas. In his 12 
was one who really didn't work out too good. And if Jesus was discipling and he was perfect in every way, then it's going to go wrong sometimes. There's going to be times when we, we enter into a bit of a discipleship with somebody that just doesn't work. That's okay. That's all right. Now, I learned something. I'm, I'm not big on gardens. I'm not big on horticulture. I'm not, I can't even say that word, but I'm not big on agriculture. I'm not big on kind of things that grow. But I learned something this week about bamboo that I found incredibly interesting and encouraging. So, you know those big bamboo kind of sticks that you get, those big green bamboo sticks? Well, I learned this, that when a bamboo seed is in the ground or the plant is small in the ground, you can water it day after day after day, month after month after month, and nothing will happen. Nothing. It doesn't grow. It doesn't, it doesn't move. It's a seed. It's a small plant. Nothing. And then if you continue to water it, it can be years apparently, then suddenly at some point, the bamboo suddenly shoots up. And and in two or three months, you see huge growth. But you don't get that growth unless you regularly water the bamboo plant, the, the small little bamboo plant that is not moving. I find that so encouraging because that's discipleship. You can pour into someone, you can pray, you can read the Bible together for months, for years. You're like, really? Nothing happening, really? Same struggles, same difficulties, not really getting anywhere. And then suddenly, wow, the faithfulness of discipleship, the faithfulness of prayer, of reading the Bible, of pouring yourself into someone else, of sharing your life, suddenly, wow, the bamboo growth suddenly comes along. Now, I've got a little present for you all. Maybe Candy and Marie can help me out here. And they're going to pass around something for each one of you. You're going to each have a little packet like this. Okay? It's not drugs, by the way. It's not. I know we're in East London. It's not a white substance. It's not, okay? So in here are seeds. Seeds, okay? And you're going to get a little packet of these seeds to take home. Now, these seeds, okay, will become beautiful wildflowers, all right? Beautiful wildflowers, okay? Colorful, beautiful wildflowers. If you sow them, and if you water them. And I'm giving you this just as a little kind of a preaching aid, just as a little kind of physical representation of what I am talking about. Because my challenge to each and every one of us is that you are a sower. You are a disciple maker. And God has given you People in your life that you are to sow into, you are to water. And all of these seeds might not make it to a beautiful flower, but many of them will. The calling on our lives is to sow. The calling on our lives is to water. The calling on our lives is to be faithful disciple makers. The rest is up to God, but we are called to be disciple 
makers. What do we give ourselves to? What do we give our time to? What do we have to give our lives to? We're to give it to disciple making. Acts 2.42 talks about the growth of the early church. And it says there they devoted themselves to one another. To the teaching, to the fellowship, and to the prayer. That, that's what the, was in the DNA of the early church. That's what was in the DNA of the early church, discipleship making. Sowing the seed, watering the seed, letting the light fall on the seed regularly, daily, weekly, monthly. You don't see any growth for weeks and months, but then you're faithfully watering, faithfully watering. Suddenly the bamboo shoot goes right up because you have faithfully been a disciple maker. So what are we to do at that time? We're to focus on Jesus. We're to be a distinctive blessing. God sent Jesus. That is the message of the gospel. God sent Jesus that whoever puts their faith and trust in him will not perish but have eternal life. John, again, John 14, God says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The message is unchanging. The, the, the mission is unchanging. Matthew 28, go out into all the world. That doesn't change. The message of the gospel, the message of grace and life found only in Jesus Christ, the mission to go out into the world, that that message and mission does not change, but the methods. We are to be flexible in our methods. It's what Paul's talking about there, that he is to be all things to all men to preach the gospel. He is to be your flexible friend in order to share Jesus. Whatever context he is in, he is looking for a way to be flexible but bring in the unchanging message of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk about something very specific here. I want to honor for a moment two people in the life of the church who do an incredible amount behind the scenes. I want to honor Charles and Alistair in particular. There are others that help them, but those two in particular who've done a huge amount over the last couple of years in the tech and online space. Incredible Hope Church website, the weekly services that go out on YouTube and, and all the stuff. It's, it's incredible effort and, and done to such a high standard of excellence. But you see, in this area of the online, in the tech 
world, everything has changed since the pandemic. The pandemic changed the game. It did. It changed everything. And so many of the old ways of doing things now are not working. So we need to be, as a church and as individuals, flexible and creative in that online space. You see, the message, we don't change the message. The mission is to proclaim Jesus. But we have a whole area, the online tech world, we have a whole space that we are to say, God, we want to, with your help, Holy Spirit, guide us. Help us to be creative. Help us to use the time, the talents, the gifts that you have given us so we can take your unchanging message to the ends of the earth through the medium of the online, through tech, through the internet. And there's so much more here that there is to explore. So much more there is here to develop. So much more. Talks about in Isaiah, see, I am doing a new thing. There's a new thing. You know, there's there's wonderful, exciting things that there's no borders anymore with online. You can have someone listening in a Middle Eastern closed country, someone in Australia, someone in South America, in different parts of the world. Say, Lord, how do we build disciples using the, the online space? What does that look like, God? We have an unchanging message. We have a mission to proclaim Jesus. Lord, help us be flexible with our methods. Help us be creative. Lord, speak to us. Lord, help use our gifts and talents. And Lord, guide us and use us in this space. That You say, how, how, God? How, How are we to use our time? We're to use our time to say, Lord, help me. Help us. Help the church to be creative in unlocking spaces where Jesus is not proclaimed, using the the incredible opportunities that are out there. Finally, fifth and finally, how are we to use our time? We're to realize that God is here. We're to realize, we're to know that God is with us. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob had a dream. You can go back and read it. And Jacob had this dream. And when he woke up, he said something which I found profoundly challenging and helpful. He said, when Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord was in this place. You see, my challenge for us is to be far more aware that God is with us in every step of our lives. In everything we encounter, God is with us. That's the promise of being a Christian. God is with us. The New Testament talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Psalm 23, the most famous psalm in the whole Bible, talks about the fact that God is with us even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We're to have clarity, clarity, church, that when we think, what am I to do with the time that God has given me? What am I to do with the time that I have in front of me? What am I to do? I am to know that God is with me. 
I am to know that I am not alone. I am to know that we together walk through this life in all of its ups and all of its downs. Know that God is with you. Know that God is there. Know that God never leaves you or forsakes you. Know that God takes you by the hand and walks with you through life's trials and through life's successes. So, to sum up, to finish up, we have much to celebrate. Each one of you is cause for celebration and cause for praise. But if we look at the time we're in, though we might wish, I wish I was in a different time, or I wish this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened, or I wish the culture wasn't going that way, or I wish that there wasn't this challenge that that, that, that society was bringing, though we may have those challenges around us. We're to ask the question looking forward, What are we to do with the time that God has given us? And five things. Focus on Jesus. Be a distinctive blessing to the communities and to the nation that we are in. Grow devoted disciples of Jesus. Pour ourselves in to sowing the seed and watering the seed, and and being disciple makers. Learn to be unchanging yet flexible and know that God is here.